Season 6 of the Effenrad Snowboard Podcast is presented by Vans. Before we start this season, I'm going to be launching a new feature called Side Hits. Thanks to Stephen for the idea and the name. It's going to be quick interviews with legendary guests like this guy, Jamie Lynn. Let's just start with the LibTech Acme and that face graphic because it's from that brochure I was talking about with Henry Hester and Randy Copeland, which is like this hilarious It's a great propaganda. It's a great piece of media <laughs> marketing material one of the best yeah. and on the cover it is is this board with the i don't know what would you call that graphic fireface yeah kind of a puking fireface <laughs> uh, you <laughs> know I, it, it was something that uh, that board came about with me um needing extra credits to graduate from high school rad so i, I found out that i could get an on the job training credit if I went up to LibTech up in Seattle, up to Mervyn, and did some sort of job, uh, I didn't really know what to do or <laughs> what was even available. But when I got up there, Pete Sari and Paul Farrell, who was kind of helping with, he was working at the factory, but starting to be more of a team manager, um, said that if you want, you could go and help Nick Russian upstairs in the art attic and... He was up there with a heavy-duty gas mask respirator on, dealing with toxic screen print inks, pouring dollops of different colors on the tip of a top sheet material, and using a squeegee to just smear these mix of colors down the top of the board, and that went into a stack, and those stacks eventually went into manufacturing where they became the top sheet graphics. And every two or three maybe five or six top sheet graphics nick and i would do something for ourselves <laughs> you know we'd throw i think i did a cat in the hat uh, <laughs> i did a native american totem board wow that came off the design and that olson had a surfboard sitting up in the corner of his kind of creative art shack and it had a native to totem drawn on it and I just kind of replicated those shapes and made an MC. There's an MC with some Native American artwork on there that's freestyled. And that's where Nick was doing. You'd throw in like a lot of his um, Rocky Horror Picture Show stuff. That was kind of that era. Yeah. That graphic period. And by doing those top sheet graphics, I think maybe Pete asked me, hey, if, if you got something drawn up, we're looking for an Acme graphic and... So I think I was probably, you know, 10th, 11th grade in high school, freshman or sophomore, and just started working on it at school and, um, you know, on the weekends or whatever, drawing up just some little sketches or whatever. Had you develop. ever drawn anything before that? No, not necessarily for any graphic job. Right. Nothing like on my own. I didn't have an art setup or anything. It was just right. kind of grab a piece of paper and a Sharpie yeah. that I stole from art class or whatever and, <laughs> yeah, and totally. drew it. And then took it up there on a Friday, and and then I'd, uh, you know, I think I just did the line work. I don't even think I did any of the fill or any of the coloring of it, but that black line art they filled in with some color and printed it up for a top sheet, and it really truly became my very first board graphic that I've ever been a part of. 
blows my mind because I know that board and I, I would have had no idea until you said it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, there's some elements there because you could tell a Nick Russian, too. Right. Like when you see his graphics Definitely or a Perillo, when you see a Perillo, you're like, oh, that's a Perillo. And that's the humble beginnings of Jamie Lynn art. You know, that was probably 89 or 90s, early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, because that brochure was 93, 94. No, 92, 93. Okay, so it was yeah. probably 91 yeah. is when I painted it. And yeah. Then I was like sophomore. Yeah. Yeah, I graduated in 92. And then did you have creative design over your own top sheet right from the get-go for your own pro model? Yeah, you know, they definitely gave me the option to come up with my own graphics. Cool. And in the early days of graphics, our banker, finance guy, this guy, Randy Copeland, um, he also owned a printing company called Printing Control. So all of our graphics were printed through his printing company, but it was limited to, you know, a four-color offset print. And I didn't have any idea or concept even what that was, you know, so... um he had some night courses going on as far as like courses to learn printing and, and offset printing, four color process printing at his uh, workplace after hours. So he got me or gave me the opportunity to go to a couple of these classes and try to learn more to help direct the artwork that I was doing to better fit and apply to a board graphic. So after about a week of taking these courses, um, during this time, Mike Olson was kind of figuring out how to translate, like, the kind of art that I was doing was really watercolor, very vivid colors, and a lot of, um, you know, watercolor feel is always a hard thing to translate with any kind of printing. Mm -hmm. But while I was taking the courses trying to figure out how to print my board graphic, Olson got a hold of, I think, Paul Schmidt, and Paul had some new boards that came out that had this beautiful full color picture graphic um, with a process called sublimation. So, you know, as I'm trying to figure out how to print these things, Olsen goes and gets three test skateboard top sheet graphics and Sonic welds them together into a, a, a usable top sheet for a, you know, a lamination test and gives it to me on this MC and it rode amazing. It was like so much damper than the other top sheet material that it rode like a, it felt like a tank where I could go through anything but was still flexible and torsionally perfect. But in that process of figuring out that graphic, we had done a test graphic of an octopus. We probably printed them up, probably four or five of them just as kind of just a test run to see how it would look and the results were not so good and I was thinking oh how are we going to pull this off and then out of the blue Mike comes up with this sublimation technology and that ends up being the first whale graphic board graphic of mine in 1994. Where did the whale and octopus come from like mm. idea wise? You know I had a third grade teacher named Miss Eggleston. <laughs> Nice. She was on Vashon Island, and I remember her curriculum being 
uh, we read the Underground Railroad by Harriet Tubman. Rad. And she taught us about whales. That cool. was that what I re, That's what I got out of my third grade year in, in school. But it was, she was an awesome teacher, and, and she would take us out in the hall, and she would sh- walk out 100 feet, and we'd tape it, and we'd go, oh, that's how big a blue whale is. And, you know, whales way, she'd take us out in the parking lot, and she'd show us a Volkswagen bug, and she's like the average humpback whale weighs about as much as this Volkswagen bug here. And just, you know, all the different kinds of whales and what they ate, plankton and just the whole their their environment and we watched a lot of like national geographic style movies about whale song and um in those visuals i was really like just seeing a whale underwater and the gradation from the light near the surface to the darkness of the depths always kind of gave me this kind of intriguing feeling of just coming from light into the dark and then having the whale kind of get picked up by the light coming in from the surface. I always thought that was a beautiful aesthetic. So that's where the inspiration, I think, came from that first whale graphic. Was Did you have to do 10 or 20 different whales before you settled on the ones that you picked, or was that the first first go at it? It was the first go at it just because I wow. didn't know any better. You know, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know you could do thumbnails or sketches. I just thought, okay, this is it. This is one <laughs> panel, and I'm just going to see what... And, um, you know, I hadn't really worked too much in the medium that I tried it with, but I was working with like a tempera watercolor. Yep. And and uh, and some illustration board, like a cold press illustration board that you could go back over and and not you know not tear up the paper or the surface that you were working with. You could you know you can move different colors over it without it deteriorating. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, and then the the I remember the the octopus having a similar vibe. Like the two boards really did go well together. There was also was there a center graphic that was that had like a border around the outside of it? Yeah, yeah. There. I mean, it, I don't know why that first year had like so many. There's like two or three randoms. Yeah. In there. There was like the whale graphic that was like the one. Yep. But then there was like a Japan octopus version. Yep. But then there was this like a face that was exploding into birds and swirly stuff. Like that was one of the first year graphics, but that one really doesn't really get much. Yeah. You know, and, and then there was another, the mini version, the small board, had like guy, cat, and a bird drawing that i'd done and it was kind of boxed in this frame position kind of off on the the whole board and i forget about those yeah you know yeah. those are those are kind of lost in obscurity sometimes but really you know i worked on those just as much as i remember working on the whale graphic and the octopus graphic but i just i i, I still think back about why and i couldn't tell you <laughs> that's know. a lot of art for one kid first go at designing snowboards i mean the story of of libtech's graphic it, the the very first one with the with the skeleton cat 
Or was it a skeleton before it was a cat? Or was it the skeleton cat? It was I can't the skeleton remember. before the cat. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's just such a classic story of, of Mike and Pete's, you know, oh, you say we can't use this? We're going to put it on every board. You say it won't sound great because mm-hmm. it just fueled fueled their fire of just like you know tell me I can't do something again yeah please and then allow me to prove you wrong so that era the skeleton era lasted a year or two and then it was that acme and that the the painted top thing was going on with the doily print top sheets yeah and then. My, uh, Matt Cummins came out with a couple. He did the tree graphic, and um, there was a couple offshoots of that, and then it kind of transitioned into the, you know, the Radical Rick era, was which was great. amazing. That's that same year, right? Like, yeah. so, so he's having the guy who actually drew Radical Rick for BMX Plus draw that graphic for his base. Is that right? You know, I, I'm not sure if it was. Um, uh, what was that guy's name? It wasn't Bob Harrow. It was um, Damien. Yeah. Damien. Yeah. I'm not sure his last name. I, I, yeah, Damien. I remember his signature yeah. from the magazine. Yeah, that's how I just flashed on <laughs> Damien. So this, I think it was a um, an inspired by a Damien original, but it was Sean Donnell from uh, Bend, Oregon, that came up and did the, the Radical Rick. He did the van looking over the yeah. surf yeah. Like he did a lot of really incredibly historically important graphics and stories. I think those graphics happened at the same time as the whale right like I, th- I think it was yeah, yeah like, I mean I, I transitioned out of like riding a radical rick into like kind of the same year I might have split one you know got it halfway through that was like TB2 or something right yeah you know, the, yeah that, that was that great that was like the f- first super park up at uh, Squaw I mean that that whole session my god i can't tell you how amazing it was to be a part of that yeah to watch everyone that was there just throwing down amazing stuff and just fun to be a part of it where everyone was amping and juicing off one another noah and av and oh wow roach and it was really cool that's incredible good session that's incredible so you did did you do every board graphic for your board from that time straight through yeah yeah essentially i think maybe the second year i got help with one of the uh maybe um the script on one of the smaller boards yep yeah by a woman in uh in portland named miss mickey i remember that script yeah yeah Yeah, that was badass yeah and and there was one that was like a mandala tree I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever remember that one, but she drew that mandala tree. It was just kind of like this mandala-inspired tree of life. That was after the Buddha cat board. Yeah, yeah, right around those first two, three years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the the Buddha cat board. Did you know that Peter says that he was just trying to do your board when he did the rainbow board? Because remember, yeah. you had the, it was like brown with a rainbow, same yeah. year as the Buddha cat. Yeah. And I think... It's like the hibiscus graphic. The hibiscus there. graphic. Yeah. That's it. And he was trying to do the kicks, those flop kicks from that you, you. It, it was an adapt a, adaption on not really the the MC kink. It was a, it it was was a, a flop. It, it was, was a different a, thing. Yeah, it was a different little kink, but it was a derivative of what MC had done with that kink nose, which cool. was groundbreaking in itself. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. 
he just wanted to jib everything and freestyle wall ride stuff, you know. Yep. Do log pole jams on logs. Like, that's really, he, I remember him saying that at the time. Like, I just want to be able to freestyle on everything. That's right. You know, not be, not having your nose or tail jam you up from getting down. And then you had a, you had like a smooth take on it. That I remember that. Yeah. I remember looking at that curve being like, wow, this is it. This is what I need to have, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was such a, uh, I don't know, the reality of that, you get it in powder and it becomes such a snowplow, <laughs> you know, or it would flip so much snow and do like a rooster tail thing and like yeah. corn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're throwing up this massive rooster tail behind you and just depositing snow in the, your back pockets. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine Peter's disappointment when he says like, he's, I think he just tells them what he wants right he's like it's got to flop over like this and then he gets that low profile division 23 with the you know it's got yeah. barely any kick to start out with and then it's just got a little nick on either side just a suggestion a suggestion <laughs> of a bit of a floppy kick but it, what an it, awesome board though what oh my god it worked just, right I, yeah we, we all saw him do such amazing things with that equipment yeah you know, like wow yeah were you guys close at that point you guys ride together um you know really never like early washington northwest series days we were all kind of in different cliques sure you know i definitely had the guys that i grew up with and rode with from auburn you know we had our crew and you know fghc was what we our moniker it's ford granada hardcore <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a friend dylan that had a 76 ford granada and we just stickered the crap out of it painted fghc on the hood rad drove it up to sealand park multiple times with skateboards and the ski racks and hash and our metal pipes stuck in the foam <laughs> of the ski rack you know and probably acid underneath the grip tape <laughs> that's a pretty good move but yeah i mean it, it was we, kind of bringing sand to the beach though there would have yeah. been a lot of drugs up here in those yeah, I mean, we, we would go straight to Granville Street and get some hash and yeah. go to the beer and wine store down by Sealand and grab a couple of flats of beer and just camp out at the park throughout the weekend. And what a cool park. We were in hog heaven. It's seen some history, man. I think it was built in 79. So, yeah, so amazing. I watched the movie. Oh, did you? History. Yeah, I, I just, I'm so dumb that I have it be one it. continuous pour. Wow. Never intended to be uh, pumped back up. Right. The designer thought it would just like drain into the toilet bowl at the end and just continue doing circles until you lost momentum. Yep. That's what I did for years, <laughs> man. And and really the kind of like it, it takes you can do it on modern equipment, but I'll tell you what, one sixty nines with some soft pal bones, you know, wheels was really great equipment for getting down and then back up, you know, with hard compound wheels and and smaller trucks it's a little bit more challenging just because it's such a rugged surface now you definitely need a, a, a more contact yeah i need to follow someone like i can't pick up the line on my own i need to see somebody do it there's like a certain line over that first hump that puts you over the you know yeah and who would have been down there when you were you guys were driving up back in the day would it you been know, i, I like met Kearns dave and those guys? Boyce. okay 
Yeah, of course. He lived, him and Rob lived near there. Yeah. And Dave would come down and he would bring us like stuff out of his mom and dad's pantry. <laughs> oh my God. Drop that's us so off awesome. soups and like top ramen noodles. and Amazing. I mean, macaroni and cheese. Like, yeah. We, and this was in 87. You know, <laughs> it's it amazing. Long. And 80, 86, I think, was the contest that was up there. And we went, as soon as we saw that, we were just like, okay, that's a skate park. Mm-hmm. There was no skate parks anyplace else. That was the only one that I had ever seen or ever known about. So, you know, I met, ended up meeting, meeting Dave there, and, like, he was always cool and really cool connect, reconnecting with him later on through snowboarding. And then I, I met Sean Kearns there first time sick you know and he showed up it was a wild story i'm not sure if uh you know my facts are correct but i was we were skating and sean and his buddy turned up and his friend had like this one piece cover all suit that was he's packing tape maybe for a belt and just you know a little like not your usual attire but nothing to like you know sweat at all it was like awesome awesome individual coming to have fun doing what we all love to do and for some reason there's another guy there that started flipping this guy's shit for his what he how his get up was and sean wasn't standing for it sean was like hey man what are you doing you know you're vibing my friend out you're calling him names you're like fucking with him fuck off you know get out of here what are you doing so these guys end up fucking beefing fighting and they fought and Sean fought this guy, for, it seemed like forever. Like they would fight and get tired and they would stop, take a break, catch the breath, and then go back at it and just keep fucking battling until finally this guy got his ass kicked and and Sean, you know, told him, hey, get the fuck out of here, man. You're fucking, you know, that's, there's no place for that here. And I always thought, wow, man, that... I didn't really know him. I just, hi, my name is Jamie. Hi, my name is Sean. That was it. And I, like, I always thought leaving that scene, it's like, wow, what a fucking friend. <laughs> what a fucking great friend. <laughs> like, Sean was a champion. He just stood up for his homeboy and fucking fought, would yeah. die for him, you know? Like, fought yeah. for his friend that couldn't. You know, his friend wasn't big, wasn't strong, wasn't like couldn't stand up for himself and here comes sean and just goes you know what fuck that it's bullshit you know it's unreal that that guy's taken that strength of character you know what he does now he sits with parents who have lost children he sits with them as like holding space like wow yeah absolutely amazing strength of character and i have the utmost respect and and admiration for him as a human yeah me too just incredibly talented but you know really taking uh, a true belief in what he feels is right and applying it to humanity and that's very admirable and rare it's yeah. super rare dude guy like that uh, you you know when you're sitting with him you're watching the wheels turning you're like there's something different about this guy just the the way that he's like the integrity that he where he comes from is like totally legit yeah yeah i'm I'm super proud of him and um it's been too long since we reconnected physically and i can't wait to someday soon get a you know get that opportunity f and rad season six is sponsored by wired snowboards and on optics 
Crow's Nest Barbershops, The Boardroom Snowboard Shop, and Tribute Board Shop in Nelson, B.C. Hagen Mitchell wrote and performed the music under these side hit episodes with Craig Williams on slide guitar. Side hits are produced by SIA Productions. Yeah.